Okay, so welcome to this special episode of the Red Hand Podcast. I'm joined by three guests in our podcast recording area in SS Moors, the best shop in Belfast as, I'm, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. So I'm joined by Paddy McAllister, uh, Pamela Gilpin and Hannah Murta. So rather than introducing all of you, could you just maybe introduce yourselves and tell us a wee bit about who you are, what you do, I'll let whoever wants to go first. Yep, uh, I was lucky enough to be on this podcast a few months ago. But uh, I'm Paddy McAllister, recently retired about a year and a half ago from um, professional rugby for 14 years and finding my way through the, the real world with uh, four kids and a wife. So life's fun at the moment. I'm Pamela Gilpin. I'm the player development manager for Rugby Players Ireland. So I am based in uh, Kingspan Stadium and I also work for World Players as well. Um, hello, my name is Hannah Murta. I'm the owner of Fithead. I deliver training across the whole of Northern Ireland, both professional and personal development training. I work in corporate, pub, public sector. And- Very good. Well, it's great to have you all here. And as I say, look, we'll just have, this is a special episode. We've never had three guests on at once before. So <laughs> we'll make it, I know you all know each other as well. So we'll make it as much about your discussion and I'll sort of stay out of it. But I have a few things I want to talk about because I've spoken to maybe 60 different uh, current and former Ulster players over the years. Um, a lot of those players I've talked about their transition out of the game. So some players really struggle whenever they leave the game and some absolutely thrive without the sort of regimented routine. Sure, Barry, you know about that and like the, the restrictions it puts in your life as well. Some people love getting away from that. So today we are going to talk about some of the stuff we as fans don't think about that often. Players are real people. Sometimes we view them as sort of role models or idols or almost like just... A, a, people who go out in the pitch and perform, but we forget about the human side of that. Um, But whenever you retire, like you have the majority of your working life still to go. Uh, You need to live, you need to find something to do, preferably something really meaningful and enjoyable. So just very briefly, Paddy, whenever you were playing, what, like how much did you think about what you're going to do afterwards? Or did you just get caught up in this sort of wave of professional sport as a youngster and don't have much time to think about anything else? I think with pro rugby, it's you've got this mentality where you have to live in the moment. You obviously have goals, short term, long term. The you know majority of that is all rugby orientated, but every week is different. Every week you're under pressure to perform in training, to be selected, throw in contract seasons, injuries, family things which can affect your performance. You know fallouts with the coaches. It's so in the moment. Um, you always have this back of the feeling when I retire. Um, you know, God willing, it won't be through injury. It'll be on your own terms, but it's always in the back of your mind. But if you pay a lot of attention to it, this is just from my from my past. I almost stayed away because it took attention off the details I wanted to complete in the week of rugby. Now, the older you get, the more switched on and the more scary that realization becomes. But it, it's it's a thing where until you experience it, it's hard to teach. Um, like in life, so it's it's definitely a double edged sword where. Every player knows, and as the older you are, the scarier it gets. But it's extremely hard to live for five years' time, three years' time, next week, because you don't know when you're going to stop rugby, when you're under pressure that day. Yeah, yeah. So it's the here and now of you're thinking about the next game, the next training session, constant pressure, pressure cooker whenever you're trying to get in the team. Um, So... I want to ask a wee bit about, um, and for anyone, by the way, hasn't listened to it already, 
as Paddy said, he was on this podcast a while ago. To hear more about his story, it's worth listening back to that because it's an incredible story, you know. And I was saying as well to Paddy before we started recording that, a lot of people got in touch to say how helpful that had been, talking about mental health uh, and, and rugby and, and how even if you're sort of a big, tough rugby player, you can still have moments where you struggle and um, and a lot of people got in touch. So I really recommend going back and listening to that. And I suppose, Pamela, you have a lot of experience speaking to players and um, about that transition. Well, uh, number one, while people are playing, Paddy was talking about juggling priorities and competing priorities, especially whenever you end up with a, you end up getting married, you have kids and then that becomes a priority mm-hmm. and you have all these other things going on. So, Maybe uh, tell us a wee bit about this um, sort of personal and professional development role that you, you perform. What does that actually involve? Yeah, good question. Uh, a lot of different areas really we focus on within our player development programme. We generally have five different pillars we work across and we know that those five areas help players, uh, young players, because we work with academy um, guys as well. It helps them grow an identity that's not, it's so much more than just being a rugby player because what you said a few minutes ago, it's a, it's the person first and the player second. That's the way the Players Association, RPI, look at it. So we definitely try to work across those different pillars to help the guys um, really understand like who they are as a person, what they're about. And it's, it's really, it's what Paddy said as well. Like, it's really hard to plan for something that's five years down the line or even focus yourself on that because you're very much about selection this week, um, games, your goals, the things that you want to work on. But what we try to do at RPI is really try to break that down. So provide different experiences and opportunities for the players to get involved with, to help grow this identity away from the rugby bubble. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how do you do, uh, and by the way, we'll not just do like, I'll ask <laughs> each of you a question. Feel free to chip in and all during it. But more, more just in terms of, um, what you do, you're an educator and you train people and you train sort of the brain, I suppose. Yeah, and okay. um, uh, hence the knit fit head is very <laughs> uh, nice branding. But tell us a wee bit about how important it is for people at any stage to be involved in personal and professional development. So even wider than rugby, why is that so important? Absolutely. I think one of, one of the big focuses for anybody, whether it's in their career or their personal life, is to is to develop, improve, and find actually what makes you tick well. And as we as we get older, our the things that we appreciate change, and we we take we take motivation from different areas as well. But one thing that I've noticed over the years of of training people and year sixteen, how old I am now? Um, year sixteen, and the one thing that I saw in everybody that I trained is once they actually achieved something. The change in their mindset and their focus when they had actually achieved maybe a new qualification or set a challenge or a goal for themselves. And once they achieve that, their motivation goes through the roof, their, their confidence goes through the roof, and they can actually get that sense of achievement from it. And I don't think any of us, none of us know everything. We, you know, there's always room for improvement. There's always room to, to gain more knowledge. And I think no matter what career you're in or, or what what sector you're in, there's always room for improvement. And I think as well, both employees and employers have for that. Yeah. It's, it's not just inside of the... Yeah. And I suppose to follow on from that, so, so there's obviously huge benefits to doing that, but what makes people reluctant to 
uh, engage in personal professional development? Is there some stumbling blocks that we see repeatedly, like even you know, as for players and stuff? I don't know about your teammates or guys that you've both worked with before. What prevents people? from taking that step to engage in this personal professional development? I, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's, here there's loads of different things. Uh, if I look at uh, professional rugby, there's the time thing, because if you think about it practically, the schedule that they train with is really full on. It's a full-time job. Yeah. And then what we're asking them to do is do your full-time job and then go and do a course or work experience or invest time in personal development. Yeah. So. And a lot of these um, guys have families, you know, like they're yeah. running around, they're doing the ballet drops, they're <laughs> doing, you know, like their their dads or people have got maybe investments or business, they've other stuff going on. Um, potentially the high education set up as well can limit people. Although COVID's been really good because it's forced a lot of companies and educators in general to be online, mm. which is a good scenario for professional uh, rugby players is the flexibility there. Um, there's a little bit of fear as well, you know, yeah. if we look at the fear of the unknown or the fear of uh, admitting, you know, maybe that, right, I have to start doing something else because this isn't going to last forever. So yeah. there's, there's a myriad of factors going on there. Yeah. I don't know what you think, Paul. Yeah, from a player's perspective, you know, I'll be brutally honest. It's, and every player's been through it, I have, you're in such a bubble. You're almost on a pedestal with friends, think with family, you know, if you have a day off on a Wednesday, yeah, recovery is involved, but it's an hour in the day. If your friends are going into Belfast City Centre for a coffee and, you know, you, all your Ulster mates that you're playing with are having a coffee together, or do you want to go and do a course or shadow somebody in a company? <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. it's, and don't get me wrong, I, like, I'm, I'm very much enjoy the moment in life. You know, you are a professional rugby player. You've worked really hard. You're in a privileged position. Enjoy it. But... Don't retire and say, I didn't have time. You know, yeah. it's even with finances and rugby. Yeah, we get paid generally, averagely well. Nowhere near enough like to retire for 30 years after. You have to work pretty much straight away unless you're, you know, a Dan Carter or something. But you look back and, oh, I should have saved more money. It's like, yeah, well, you went on holiday with your friends and you enjoyed it after a tough season. So I, I use the same double-edged sword again, but I can see both sides to it. But there's 100%, there's time to to do a course, you know, a long bus journey or tr an away trip, instead of watching a whole season of Breaking Bad on, you know, on your on your computer, could you be doing some coursework or something? 100%. Yeah. But it's motivation. Are you enjoying, are you, you know, personally, am I going, I want to enjoy every night out with the boys after a hard win, every day off socializing, you know, getting the body recovered. And it is, as you, the older you get, the more scared you get. And fear is a big driver for success mm -hmm. for accomplishing things and you know yeah that's just from a player's perspective yeah. yeah like this morning we had um some people in and they're ex-players but they've transitioned you know from five to ten years ago and they're talking about what they're doing now yeah. and so today is a day off the stadium because they did a game on saturday so but we still had 10 10 guys come in to listen about this we call them career insights and that mightn't seem like a lot, but that's that's a quarter of the squad actually. So it's a good it's a good amount to have in. So mm. it they like they're having to make the effort on their day off. So like Paddy says, the time is there, but yeah. like they're sore, they're tired, but they're still getting out of their beds to come in.
try to learn something and listen to Yeah, that's it's interesting. Play. Yeah, fair play. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. suppose people who are class at rugby are probably class at lots of aspects of life because they're high performers. Yeah. And, um, I, I think that's really interesting. One of, one of the themes that I sort of think is coming up here is balance and priorita- mm-hmm. prioritizing stuff, do you know, mm-hmm. and... I suppose from all of your perspective, how do you prioritize balance? Like Hannah, Hannah being a business owner, and then <laughs> Patty, you were talking about working with your four kids, yeah. uh, and and then I know how busy you must be, Pamela, with your role as well. How do you balance uh, your priorities, and how what would you advise listeners to do in terms of finding that balance? Well, I suppose for me, I'm I have just completed my first year of business, and it is a massive learning curve. You're not going to get it in the first <laughs> couple of months, and there, I'm sure. For Pamela here is many a phone call from me having some sort of a breakdown over something. <laughs> but it's it's good to have that support around you. And that's as well what your balance yeah. is having support. Yeah. I could not have done without without my friends and my family yeah. because there are time, many times I wanted to pack it all in. Nope, this is too hard. I can't do this. But you have those people around you saying, no, actually, you can do this and you are doing it. Yeah. But I suppose for me... One thing that, that I realised was quite early on in, in my first year was work was my total priority and my own health and well-being was actually um, being hindered because of that. So what I actually did was decided to start a Strictly competition, which for me ticks every box in the well-being book and it means I can keep that that balance of the per- personal personal development with learning dancing and having a performance stage which is pretty alien but the then the the, the employment side of it I have I'm still developing that every day I yeah. mean it, it is a massive learning curve and I'm enjoying it it's tough but it's enjoyable yeah it must be hard to find balance but uh, I suppose for you guys like what, what would you advise people as very busy people and people who have packed schedules how would you advise anyone listening I know a lot of young, young people are listening to this as well what would you advise them to do in terms of Maybe you look back and you reflect and you go, I didn't prioritise the right things at a certain stage. Would that be, is that not to put words into your mouth, but is yeah. that something you've experienced? No, definitely. I mean, I was lucky to play, you know, 14 years and, you know, starting at 18, you find a girl, you get more serious, then kids come in. Balance is completely different in each of those chapters of life. And uh, um, I, I tried to go to university when I left high school, work in the academy, and I just made a decision of my thinking back then was I could always go to uni at 60 years old, but I'm never going to have a chance to be an 18 year old trying to be a professional rugby player again. And I couldn't give a hundred percent to either things. So I chose rugby and I guess my balance in that was making a decision and you live and die by it. Um, Then as you progress, there's no optimum, um, you know, scale of, of, of how to be the perfect person balance wise and family work related. I think prioritizing is is important. Organization is massive. Um, you know, even with myself now, as you said, I've got four kids. Like, if people watch us in a restaurant or something or walking down, they're like, oh my goodness, that, that's mayhem. But there's balance within that mayhem because if you internally accept life's just going to be busy, enjoy it. You know, you're not going to get it again. Yeah. Well, you still find joy in those, in those times. So it's just having perspective. I think a massive part of my journey the last two and a half years has been perspective that word where um someone's looking at one thing can think something else and that could trigger something in them and i look at the same thing and it triggers something completely opposite side of the skip on the spectrum because of just perspective on what you're going through individually and what you're uh, what you've been how you've been brought up so 
I don't think there's a right or wrong answer or, or a manual for it. Um, and at different stages of life, balance is more important or, or different. Yeah, yeah. I suppose that, that's really interesting, people. I mean, people obviously process external factors differently. They, it's how you process those things internally that makes a difference. And one of the things I was going to ask a wee bit about was that transition out of rugby. And, and um, I suppose even, Hannah, I'm sure you've worked with people transitioning from different, you know, from maybe one career to the next. And I know you've been through that transition yeah. as well. But t- tell us, how does it feel, I suppose, talking about players, um, but in general as well, how does it feel for players to move out of professional sport into the normal world? I've spoken to people, uh, players, and they've talked about all my eggs are basket. Rugby mm-hmm. is everything. And that is, I find that a bit concerning. <laughs> and I think it's great to have people like yourself who are able to say, look, there's other things in life that you mm-hmm. need to prepare for. You could get a big injury. Paddy's been through that early in his career. Tell us... <laughs> There, there are negatives and positive sides. Do people get nervous about transitioning out of rugby? Do they get, get excited that they're not going to be sore every day? I mean, what's the experience that you guys have had? I don't know if Patty's probably best to talk about it because I've never, you know, personally transitioned. But I do hear a lot that, you know, the uh, the soreness carries on because uh, even after you stop playing. Um, yeah. but I'm struggling right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Patty's getting treatment as we speak on the bench here. Um, so... Listen, I, th- I think I think there's like a real um, a real variety of emotions, and like I'll, I hate to bring back the research, but a lot of uh, researchers who have looked at this compared to like a grief, mm. you know, like there's a massive loss um, for people leaving an environment, and I say environment because it could be sport, it could be like Hannah, different people she's working with in different businesses, like. Um, but like you can imagine if you you love working somewhere and you love going in every day and you're with your friends and you're having a good time and you have massive highs that you go through with each other, massive lows as well. Like the, the bond's incredible. So there's a huge array of emotions. Some people leave because career ending, not contracted. Some people choose to leave. You know, it's, it's maybe a lucky transition to have. Um, so there's real there's real highs and lows that come with the transition. But what's important is trying to put things in place to help actively manage that. So keeping a routine, looking after your well-being, engaging with stuff that keeps you feeling like you are achieving, that you're focused, that you're, you know, like you're really still working towards goals and stuff. So mm-hmm. there's lots that we try to do during transition. Yeah. There's a lot we do in preparation for, and that really starts at academy level, to be honest. Um, and there's lots we do after transition as well. So at RPI, we have an ever-growing um, alumni of past players. It's a really important group of members for us. And that's lifelong membership. So the transition, you could almost say, you know, never ends. But um, it would typically take something like two to six years for somebody to leave rugby and feel like their life's back, and, which yeah. is massive for my time. I've got five more years left. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Patrick. Yeah, You're still on the roller coaster. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so, in terms of something I've listened to recently, we're talking about gold medal depression, where it's uh, relates particularly to Olympic gold medalists. But I think it's it's now a term for anyone who's achieved their stated goal in any career or profession. Um, whether it be playing rugby at the top level, I'm sure you know that was an ambition for you, and you you went on to achieve that play, playing professionally. There's guys who uh, 
again, they'll play for 10, 15 years. Their identity is very much wrapped up in the fact they're a rugby player. I suppose, and, and again, and I'm sure you've experienced this, where it's like um, people who, um, whenever you're, you're training them or, or educating them, th- they maybe are an executive or a business owner themselves, and they their identities wrapped Massive. up in that. Massively. Oh, yeah. They identify with it. Mm-hmm. And it nearly, with some people, it can become all-consuming, so they can't actually see what other opportunities are out there for them because yeah. at that moment they're so consumed by role. And it's just, I suppose, what I do is just help them. Actually, there's other stuff you can be doing. Yeah. You, can, you can always add. You can always add to your skill set, your knowledge set. You can you can always be learning. But I think the identity is is massive. And I know with the guys are saying with the players, their identity is wrapped up in in being a rugby player. But that that crosses out into everyday life as well. Like one one example is as mothers. That's one big thing that I've realised is they lose their identity when they become a mother or a wife. You know, they, they forget actually mm. there's a person in there yeah. and, and you have goals and you have aspirations. And whilst, as Paddy's saying there, life does get busy and you do have to sometimes accept this is the way it is. But I always tell people, don't forget, you have your own wants and your own needs and your own focuses. So we as wives, we're taking care of everybody else. We have to remember that we are still our top priority. Mm-hmm. We've got to look after ourselves. But if we're not firing in all cylinders, how can we support the people as well? Um, so, yeah, that's <laughs> it. It's just, it was what, what Paddy said about that. It's <coughs> nice. Yeah. No life is We all have to, still got to try and make it. Yes. Yeah. And your identity as a whatever, as whatever a your person. title is, yeah. your, your identity is you as a, you person. a person. Yeah. Not a title, not, yeah. not a role. It is you. Yeah. Perform those tasks. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and so whenever maybe a young player comes to you, Pamela, and what are the types of things that you're, uh, you, I suppose you, you perform probably many different roles, like counsellor, career advisor, whatever. <laughs> Tell us a wee bit more about in practice what it means to do your role. Like what a young Paddy McAllister comes to you, say, a 22-year-old. <laughs> just using an, oh, exa- an example. Yeah. But not, not from Paddy, just any player comes to you. What sort of... <laughs> yeah, there have been a few, few of those situations, yeah. Um, we, we do... We do compulsory workshops, for example, like through your player development program, and they are targeted at growing kind of life's essential skills. So, for example, um, with the LIA, we are putting together a whole load of money modules, like smart money habits, because what we're finding is like the like the young academy players who do live on low incomes, like the majority of them are, are students as well. So we do stuff around how to budget, how to batch cook and, you know, save money in your households, understanding your pay slip. We do like, because, you know, it's, it's really scary. And we don't get this education in schools about smart money habits mm. and how to budget, like understanding tax yeah. and Just national insurance. Just to sign up if you have any yeah. places. <laughs> no, it's been an eye-opener for me. Yeah. So we start with the basics because we, we understand like that, like balance and healthy well-beings. Um, a number of factors in there so we start with the the principles and the building blocks and then we start to to look at well what are the challenges that a typical rugby player would have and we know that for example and again they're just people as well so they're like anybody else they worry about about finances they worry about careers they worry about if their partner's happy and their kids are happy in school so we start to then um build a program that tackles a lot of these things. So we, we look at what the, the pain points, as we call them, might be 
and then we roll back and try to build programs within the player event program that helps build skill and knowledge around these key pain points. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of just one of the things that we do with academy players. We do a lot of group stuff, but we do I do a lot of one to one um coaching with players as well, just to help put in place like a personal development plan that is their kind of uh, eight month plan over the season about key things that they want to head off on. And that again is based on our five pillars. Um, so we we do that each year with the players so they're continually trying to chip away at stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's based on what's motivating them at the time and what's driving them and what they really do that season. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, and um, I want to talk a wee bit about um, uh, mental health as, as part of this as well and about... Um, in particular, the, the Tackle Your Feelings campaign, which people may have seen advertised and uh, that it's really encouraging people. It's a it's a campaign which is encouraging people to talk about sort of their mental health. And um, I want to ask all of you, I suppose, like are people, you guys all have, um, will have, have had some experience in this and are people getting better at talking about mental health? How much more is there to do in that regard? And and are there any groups in particular that maybe aren't so good at that? Started off Big question. One. I think certainly from what I find over the last number of years working with well-being and mental health, I don't talk about mental health. Mm. I talk about well-being. Mm-hmm. I think particularly in Northern Ireland, there is a lot of confusion around mental health and mental illness mm-hmm. and that people are, are crossing them would you find that common and maybe getting them confused yeah as to yeah, yeah that that when people are asked to talk about their mental health they feel oh gosh i have to talk about everything that's wrong with me yeah. when actually you're everything we do is mental. you know your brain operates all of it mm-hmm. that's why we gotta look after it mm-hmm. <laughs> um but I think a lot of companies and organizations are promoting it well enough that people are realizing actually this is normal. This is not something we need to be afraid of. It's just it's just our thoughts. It's just who we are and how we process things. And everybody's individual. Everybody, no two of us on this planet are the same. So it, it is about making sure everybody, anybody that does need support, is that they are treated as an individual and not grouped into the same support as everybody else. But it is very much a picture. But I think, particularly in Northern Ireland, Northern Ireland, we are getting better at it. And I think the more we talk about it, the more we are and normalise, more people be more open again. Yeah. Absolutely. And the use of, so I suppose the importance in that distinction between mental health and well-being, is it just terminology or is well-being more a holistic sort of thing? Or what, what is the actual difference there? Well, I, well, well-being is just is really defined as functioning functioning well and feeling yeah. well. Yeah. And But that all leads into your overall mental health. Yeah. Um, but the, the thing is, and we'll make it a bit complicated here, but even, <laughs> even your physical health impacts your mental health. Yeah. So if you have an injury, you know, we're talking about players, if they have an injury, you know, they're restricted in their movement, that will affect how they're feeling about themselves, their thought process. So I think what we just, we just need to be so open about it all yeah. that, it, that it is. Just your, look after yourself and look after each other. If you're feeling good and doing well, well then you're on the right tracks. But yeah. if you notice, actually, I'm not enjoying a certain aspect of you know, maybe it's part of your life, there's something that's annoying you, that's at you, and that's learning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that something you have both noticed as well? Like, over the years, being involved in rugby, is it something which is talked about more, or is it still a bit of a taboo subject that people don't really like to discuss in a macho environment? No, I think the exposure is always good. It's always it's going to dilute the 
um, the conversation whenever you do have the courage or when it is brought with whether it's the RPI or your coaches because of the exposures out there the the effect of your words aren't going to be seen in, you know internally like I'm letting off an A-bomb here um, so that that's definitely pushed things way forward um, you know I know Pamela's beside me but the RPI are pillars uh, I honestly would say that um, you know I went through a lot of mental health stuff in my last two years ago. there's a lady Deirdre Lyons there who does Pamela's role down, down for Connett and she helped me massively. And even during then, um, you know, I, was, I think I had a couple of communications with Pamela who was up at Ulster because, you know, Pamela's been at Ulster for a while and trust is massive. Um, a face to the, for the name is massive. And as an academy kid, academy kids that, you know, she's dealing with now, if she's still, in the, you know, hopefully there for the next 10 years, there's going to be, <laughs> no, there's, there's going to be, there's going to be, you know, it's going to be a lot more comfortable to bring up stuff. Um, yeah. You know, as a, as a father of of two kids with a wife in, in Galway, it took a lot of courage and a lot of you know to swallow a lot of stuff to yeah. put my hand up and say I'm not I'm not doing well here. But the exposure does help, and that tackle your feelings campaign. Um, I think the way the RPI have done it with the RFU is really good in terms of who is promoting that within each province, their story, how relatable it is. Mm-hmm. You know, even down to the graphics on social media, it's relatable to a lot of people, mm-hmm. and because they are role models, it dilutes a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it is crazy. The world, the world is things can happen tomorrow. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, you know, and <coughs> a good friend of mine, Ed Slater, who plays at Gloucester, you know, saw him last summer, and then two weeks later, Gatoli is MND, and you know, he's got three young kids. And how do you even have a conversation like that? Um, I, you know, I went through something where I thought my wife was going to die, and you look back and go, how, how you can't see. You know, life goes on, but you don't know what it looks like. And it breaks my heart, uh, but having people and structures like the RPI and Pamela is massive. You know, I, I, I try and meet up with her regularly since I've been retired and it is a comfort, a comfort blanket, a face to talk through these things. No, it is though. And we need that, you know, you know 135 kilos, 33 year old retired prop who's trying to play second row for Wilbur's Harlequins. Needs to have a coffee with Pamela every once in a while. Try and sort, Thank God there's only one Pamela. Yeah. <laughs> to sort my life out. Um, because you leave this bubble and it is yeah. a crazy bubble. You're so lucky to be involved in it. I didn't know what to where to work. I've never been involved with the normal process going through GP to NHS, that whole system, people believing you if you're, you're, you know, your body's sore and what you've been through, have never been involved in it. There's so many things which... And it might sound people listening like, oh, he's, he's been privileged. It's, it's probably, but it wasn't our fault. And at the same time, as I said at the very beginning, in life, you only really learn through experience. You can get told it's going to be hard. Yeah. Okay. But until you experience it, it's the only time where you either learn growth yeah. and you need to rely on pillars, you know, from work, home and all that stuff. So yeah, the exposure, coming back to the point, exposure is massive, whether it's not, you know, the a worldwide campaign exposure is still out there and it just dilutes the effectiveness of the conversation to have with somebody and, and, it, and it's easier to approach it because it's it's around the place now yeah yeah and I, I've, as i said at the beginning i've spoken to something like 60 different ex and current ulster players and i'm not trying to embarrass you pal loads of them have said how good you are a lot of them have said how excellent you do you do your job and um i think that is so important and um I think that discussion, which you've been a big part of opening up, uh, do you know, on the on this podcast about mental health and 
um, has been so significant to a lot of people. And I think it's really important that more sports people do that. There's different ones. There's like, the likes of Joe Marler is very good as well, very open. Someone who players respect yeah. uh, and, and, and young people respect as well. So I, I want to um, ask a wee bit more about, um, as sort of we, we land the plane of this podcast, um, I want to ask a wee bit more in, in particular about Fithead and, about what you're doing doing now, Hannah, in terms of you're telling me before we're recording about your plans for the future. Tell us a bit a bit about what you're doing and plans. Your big plans. So currently I am working a number of corporate organizations and delivering training on site. And a lot of that is based around well-being at work. And one thing that I found, and it's why I created Fithead because I saw a huge um some of the well-being at work stuff that I had been to there was somebody standing there telling me to bath if I missed or light a candle with no disrespect that is not removing the cause of stress in my life <laughs> that is just pausing it for a second so very much my focus is when I go into an organization it's there to actually help them facilitate them finding where are the causes of stress how are they impacting your employees and mm. the employer themselves? And how can we eliminate it? How can we remove it? Because, mm. and to me, that is well-being at work. You want to go in, you want to feel supported, you want to feel like you are part of that team and that you're actually achieving something. Mm. And that also that you're being um, rewarded for that. Mm. Um, a lot of the other stuff that I'm doing is around soft skills as well. A lot of organisations, they'll focus on technical training and technical support, which is obviously very, very important. But we sometimes forget about the softer skills like communication, team dynamics. And as well, one thing that is one topic that has become very, very, um, a lot of people have looking important. for. Important. Thank you, Jim. Um, is dealing with challenging behaviours in the workplace. So that would be maybe if somebody is struggling with their well-being or, or their mental and the behaviours that are created from that. So it's helping employers actually pinpoint what's happening rather than maybe forcing this person to talk or situations that they're not going to be comfortable with. It's actually finding how to communicate with that person and how to support them best. I do a lot of stuff at the minute in schools. I'm working with post-primary and that's where lovely Paddy has been helping me out. His story is incredible and the students absolutely love it. I just see there, as soon as you talk about the Congo, their eyes light up, you know, it's so, it's so interesting yeah. for them. And it's lovely for me to have, obviously, a male perspective when working with girls and boys. But big plans for the new year. I have a new programme starting, and so you can keep an eye out for it. It's called Fit Her. So it is based solely for females, and it is a, a very holistic view of, of health and well-being. And it's not, a lot of people sort of feel, all right, this will be a big gym-based thing. Absolutely not. Very much based around healthy head, healthy body, and we'll learn a lot of skills as well, including <coughs> self-defense. And because I've started the Strictly, I'm all about the dancing now. So there, there is a dance class every month, but that will be advertised social media and the website over. very good so website is www.fithead.uk yeah, isn't it that's the very one yep so just to be clear, I'll not be helping in the self-defense class or volunteering to get beaten up by a room full of girls that's, I will tap out a lot of disappointed ladies contact Fithead for anybody you didn't rule yourself out of the dancing though no no I cannot dance that's why you should be exactly that's the whole point to not have a Fithead Peter, the one thing though, like you were asking about mental health, and yeah. is it, you know, is it, is it okay to talk about it? I think one of the really important things about TYF 
is that it actually just give people a language mm. to say I'm not feeling okay. Yeah. And like we have had a couple of players like um, from across the whole island, you know, like actually use those words like mm. um, send one of our PDMs like flip. I need to tackle my feelings here, you know, like so yeah. it's it's given people the right to say actually I'm not okay. Mm. Yeah, which really gets saying to what Anna is saying there as well within yeah. business it's it's hard to deal with that and very help much people. so and communicate we were chatting before mm. our, uh, about Northern Ireland in particular and language we have our own language here mm. and if you're if you're looking at the word I know Patty and I had talked a couple of times the word mental like in Northern Ireland when somebody <laughs> says oh that's mental mm. it's usually chaos it's crazy it's not something that's a positive thing yeah and as, as Patty had pointed out to me, we're introducing a new language mm-hmm. into uh, a, a, comp- or a country that already has an association with the word. So I think we just, it's just about how, how you approach it. And as Pamela said there, about the language that we use. Yeah. Um, we have to be very yeah. open about it. And we all communicate. Yeah, that, that's a very good point. The, 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 the language we use around subjects is yeah. so important. And, and also the, the context and the circumstances we're in is very important as well. So I think I think this is very uh, a mass generalization. I think women are probably better at, at chatting about stuff and men probably struggle without maybe too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. I don't. I don't mean to, to generalise, no, but I, I think that's true. I would agree. I think because we are, as a rule, women are more nurturing, where we much more caring. I think not all the time, but for most of the time. So we probably find it much easier to just say things aren't great. Mm-hmm. Whereas I know certainly a lot of men that I know, and a lot of sort of in the rugby world, mm-hmm. it's just you just don't say anything. You just get on with it's more it. behaviours, isn't it? it like is. you, you mm. do. Like, and we've 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 done training with players um a few years ago about one of the signs and symptoms that one of your teammates is struggling. Mm-hmm. And it's withdrawal. Mm-hmm. It's not like engaging in group chats. It's yeah. not eating with everybody else. It's maybe seeing them. It could be putting on weight. It could be, you know, getting really quiet. So we tend to ask the players to look out for the behaviours yeah. that are more worrying. Um, whereas girls will openly will be more verbal with how they're thinking, feeling. Like yeah. from a man, they have to initiate the conversation yeah. mm-hmm. almost to be open. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from my previous history, my wife asked me about something, which she probably knows I'm struggling with. Mm-hmm. I know I'm struggling with, but she's asked me, I'm all right. Mm-hmm. And that's how I approach it over a period of time. I'll, I would open up generally. Yeah. And, and what Pamela said there about, you know, around a, a rugby environment, I remember Connor, we were told, in passing, you know, how are you? And they say, I'm all right. That's a bit of an indication of they're probably not all right. All right is a bit of a term of I'm struggling with something, mm-hmm. but I'm okay. You're and, fine. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah, fine. Like, you know, that's to me. And I, I just caught on to that of, you know, you're right. Like you're either good or you're bad. All right is probably, you know, glass half empty type yeah. um, emotions. So, you know, things like that to be aware of. And one thing as well is if, if you are a, a boss or in charge of a group, please be open. If someone does initiate a conversation, be aware of that. Um, be open to it. Don't, yeah. you know, bat it away or you don't want to be involved with it. You know, it's, it takes a lot of courage to, to try that. And if you do feel someone is struggling with your signs or, or the conversation you're having, yeah. just be approachable. Yeah. There's so many online free tools, like for mental health first aid. And it's mm-hmm. literally two hours online training that helps with the sign symptoms, what to, what to say and what not to say. Mm-hmm. So there's 
little small can be done mm-hmm. it can have a, a big impact yeah. on an environment or on a- yeah yeah no it's 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 so interesting um it's it's one of those uh things that men probably need like a project or something that they're working on and they can sort of chat while they're doing it. Yeah, that's it. My, my dad's involved in this thing, Men's Sheds. Oh, I don't know if you've come yeah. across that before. Yeah, and it's a group of, yeah they're so good. It's a group of men in, in a town mm-hmm. get together and they'll build something like, I don't know, an apple press is the, the yeah. most recent one. And then they're all chatting, but it's not like they're meeting up and talking about their yeah. feelings, but they are, but they're not thinking about it. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah. I, that's really cool. I think people, when people are in, when people feel part of a community, when they feel part of, of a group, they will just throw it into conversation. Yeah. I think a lot of the time, and I've noticed this in business, is when somebody sat down and asked, how are you doing? Most people are just going to go, whoop, big brick wall, mm-hmm. because they're sat in that interview situation. Mm-hmm. They don't feel comfortable. But as you said, when you're actually maybe doing activity, you're yeah. out for a walk, you have somebody, a lot of people, when you put somebody on your shoulder, they tend to up a lot more. They'll, they don't feel as if they're interrogated, you know, so it's, it's trying to keep that environment with people. And you will hear what people are saying to you. You just have yeah. to listen to it. Yeah. You know, they, they will tell you what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And there's lots of fans of rugby will listen to this, you know, obviously that's the demographic. And mm-hmm. I suppose rugby clubs are a place which... Um, there's sort of a unique environment for men where it's like it's like a safe space where you go and it's not it's not all about the rugby as you yeah. I'm sure you'll test too, Patty. Like it's a social thing as well. It's a massively social <coughs> thing. The same with the rugby clubs across you know the the island. Yeah. Yeah. It's a place you go, you watch the match, uh, you watch whatever's on TV, mm-hmm. uh, you have a few beers and it's a great environment and rugby in itself is good like I mean even for me like rugby is a means to an end it's a way for me to hang out with my dad and watch the match or um and it's a good way to sort of keep fit and enjoy yourself so look I think people people sometimes take rugby very seriously and I I get it you know especially after (laughs) Saturday night uh (laughs) <laughs> I think we'll put this out this week so people will know what I'm talking about the <laughs> disappointing result but like it's at the end of the day it's a game and it's to be enjoyed mm-hmm. and um, I think it's it's been great to discuss some of the issues around that and we don't always talk in such depth about mental health in this no. podcast or in general so really good to open that up and what, one of the things just finally that I'd say about Fithead Hannah is I'm so aware of the way in which people and, and businesses deal mm-hmm. with mental health and mm-hmm. it can be very negative, do you know, with the way they approach it and plastering over things. Absolutely. And I love this. I, I think that uh, Fithead's great because it doesn't do that. It looks to address the way people think and the way they live. <laughs> Definitely not. Tom laughing here. It's a very direct approach, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that's it. Totally. And there's no, that's one thing. There's a lot of people there is a lot of fluff and faff. Mm. You're not actually getting to the nitty gritty of mm. the, core, the core issues. And mm. I am. Um, all of my sessions are they're they're fun. Mm. They're engaging. Mm-hmm. They're interactive. You're not. I'm not sitting with a PowerPoint scaremongering you about all the stats about the horrendous things with mental health. Mm. It's a massive focus on prevention. And I, as I said, it's always about keeping yourself well, keeping mm. well, and doing well. Yeah. And getting getting to the nitty gritty mm-hmm. of it. <laughs> Great, great. That's the way. That's the way it should be. Absolutely. And Paddy, you enjoying your work with Fithead? No pressure. Hannah's here, but no. I I think we connected through Pamela. Yeah. Um, and you know, the first one was at in Uri at a, at a school, and it is nice to 
whether it's give back or what, but just to be amongst people who want to hear about mm. your story, if there's anything that they can take from it. Um, and, and it's been really enjoyable. I mean, mm. Hannah's great at what she, what she does, and it, it's obviously building and becoming a lot more successful. And anytime I have an availability to try and help, um, except for those self-defense classes, you know, I, I definitely <laughs> will. Yeah. I, I definitely will. Um, and it's something, she's reaching things that haven't been reached. And I think workplace is, is definitely an area because there's almost a, you know, an old school mentality of, you know, there's something up with them. Is there a way out for them rather than how can we help them internally? That's yeah, it. yeah. That's it. That's, I've, I've been in various offices where it's been like, right, you're, everyone's struggling with their mental health yoga class for everyone. Here's some, here's some pizza. <laughs> pizza yeah. on a Friday and you're like... <laughs> So that's great, and um, yeah, I, I, it's been great to have you all on. I think that's a good note to end on. And guys, thank you so much for your time and for your input there. Thank, thank you, thank you. Thanks.